Welcome back, Choices to Consequences. My name's Click. This is episode uh, one, two, episode four. This one's going to be about my time in uh, Pakistan. So I'm going to follow on from where I left off. My uh, mum and dad came and picked me up from the Ramada Jarvis Hotel. They gave me my passport, 300 quid. That's loads of money back then. I'm talking, you know, 2000 and whatever it was. Yeah, so I'm going from there straight to Heathrow Airport. And I'm thinking, oh God, I've still got the warrant out for me for doing all those cigarette snatches. So uh, yeah, the parents have had enough. Listen, you're going back home to fix up. They call it back home to fix up. But really, what are they doing? They're sending you to where the heroin gets produced from Afghanistan. Because Afghanistan don't really export anything. It goes from Afghanistan to Pakistan. And then Pakistan export it to the world. Everyone knows it. I think it's like 80 odd percent of the brown comes from there. So yeah. Anyway, so right. I remember getting off the plane. It's an eight hour journey. Seven, eight hour, eight hour flight. Getting off the plane. And do you know what? The first thing that hit me was the heat. It was like suffocating. I, I, don't forget, I haven't been to Pakistan for... 17 years I remember 17 years I think I was 7 or 8 or something like that and I went with my mum for 6 months I can't, I can't remember anything about it nothing at all and so yeah so I'm uh, I'm going to Pakistan I can't speak the language I mean I could speak it later on I learned it I knew bits but I couldn't hold a conversation with anyone I uh, anyway so I get off the plane anyway I don't know who I'm looking out for they know me I don't know how don't ask how they spotted me and the guy that met me was my brother-in-law I don't know at this time because I'm not married yet it was my sorry my future brother-in-law so hugs and kisses meet and greet and uh, straight away I'm like what where am I what what am I, what am I doing here what is this place it was alien to me uh, so anyway yeah they put me on a Toyota what they do out there see the Toyota vans they put windows in they, honestly they convert it into a minibus uh, to fit like 15 odd people in it but anyway we uh, they hired it got it put my stuff in I had a bag not much I had what my mum packed for me and you know what the first thing on my mind is I'm withdrawing I need gear Honestly, that's the first thing on my mind. I'm like that. Oh, God. I'm withdrawing. I'm in Pakistan. I know there's gear around. But I'm... Like I said, I don't... You've got to know the people. Now it might be a bit different. But back then... Uh, yeah, it was there. But you had to know. Know the people. Otherwise, they'll just turn their back on you. They'll think you're a weirdo. So, anyway, right. So, driving to the village where I live. It was a... A four-hour drive. Now I'm really ill. I'm really clucking. But the thing is, when you go back home, because of the water, the milk, the meat, even what you eat, uh, the weather, the mosquitoes, people from England, when they go there, they get ill. It's a normal thing. You get ill for about three, four days. And believe it or not, all the symptoms of withdrawing are exactly the same as being ill. But shall I tell you what really, really helped? The heat. The sun heat. God's blessing, I don't know. It helped with the withdrawing. It was like, oh God, oh God. And you know what? 
it wasn't as bad as what I thought it would be. I don't ask how, but it wasn't. I mean, it was bad, don't get me wrong. But I could disguise my clucking as, oh, he's a foreigner, foreigners get ill. So they, they meet and greet you in the village. Uh, I'm meeting people I've never met before. Uh, some of them weren't even born the last time I came. But they've heard of me, they know who I am, they know who my dad is, they know all of that. So anyway, I'm in the village and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, what am I gonna do here? And still, I'm thinking, how can I score? How can I score? How can I score? Uh, I'm not really eating, I'm not really drinking. Uh, I'm having the odd sip of tea, because I really like the tea they make, and they make it with milk. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, listen, honest to God, right, it's been on now, what? About a week, 10 days, and do you know what? My withdrawing, I know I'm at the end of it. Believe me, don't ask how it happened, but that's exactly what happened. Anyway, I go to the town, the main town, which is a 20 minute little bus ride. And do you know what? I'm so dying for a smoke. I start walking in the busy town and I start shouting out, is anyone, you can't do these things back there. I'm going, is anyone from England? Someone from England, please, anyone from England, anyone from England? Lo and behold, a guy turns around. He goes, yes, mate, I'm from England. He was from Luton. And do you know what? He lived five minutes from my house in the village. What a result. I've gone to him, listen, straight talk, quick introduction. How are you? Yes, my name is this, my name is that. I need gear. He's gone, uh, what do you want, ash? I said, no, 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 I don't want ash. I want brown. He goes, ooh, there's one guy that does it, but uh, it's up to you if you want to go there. It was actually his cousin that does it. He goes, come on, I'll introduce you. He took me back to the village, introduced me to his cousin, and then his cousin, who was also from Luton, took me to their cousin, follow this, follow this, took me to their cousin in this house. Massive house. It was getting built at the time. And I remember there was like six, about eight, eight people waiting there in this semi-built house. And he lived over the wall in his old house. He's jumped over the wall, this guy, never met him before. He's got a, what we call a 30 bore, a 30 bore, you know, like you get 32s. What we get in Pakistan is called a 30, semi-automatic magazine pistol. Looked like a Beretta. Uh, he puts that on the wall, bunks over the wall. And I remember looking at him, skinny, skinny guy, big moustache, you know, like the ones you get in those Mexican Westerns, like that. Comes, sits down, introduces himself. He knows my family there because it's a small world there. And he's going, I would never thought you from that family would be on gear. Because no one from my family, I'm the black sheep here and the black sheep there. They're goody goodies. They don't do anything. No ash, no drink, no women, no brown, nothing. So he's saying to me, I can't believe that you come from that family and you're smoking. I say, yeah, listen, give it to me. Anyway, he's given me gear and I've gone to him uh, how much is this like semi-communicating I'm going through his cousin who can translate and he's going that's a hundred rupees back then uh, in 2003 or 4 I think it was a hundred rupees is it was it was 86 pence to the pound eight, uh, 86 rupees to a pound uh, so yeah just call it 80p 80p it was and I was like that 80p for this he's going yeah and it was like a point two, uh, which in England is a 20 pound bag and there it was a quid let's call it a quid uh, 
but at that time, believe it or not, a pound, let's call it a pound, 100 rupees, was a day's wage for a labourer. So a day's wage for a labourer here, a quick, quick and easy one, is like 50, 60 quid. So, oh. it, you know, it worked out the same. Cigarettes was a good thing. They were only 30p, 36p, and they were the good ones. So they've given me this point two, and uh, no, there's no foil out there. The only foil you can get is from these fags. I mean, you can get foil now, but I'm talking back then. You couldn't even get Rizzler in the village. So he's given me a uh, a cigarette packet, an embassy push-up cigarette box, and you have to get the inner foil out of that, rub the rub the little shine bit off with your nail. You've got to do it so slowly and carefully. And out there, they don't use lighters; they use matches. So they sit on the floor. Uh, like squat on the floor watch this they squat on the floor they get the match matches empty the matches out they trap the matchbox under their toe all the matches are in front of them and then they smoke like that they strike it run it down the foil strike the match run it down the foil and I was thinking how can their matches never blow out I could never get the hang of that so he goes alright look do it in the cigarette so they give you a cigarette or you just get a cigarette what you do is you go you slowly start loosening the tobacco in it empty a little bit out and slowly loosen it the, the aim is to loosen it so you can suck through it I mean he taught me all this I didn't know all this then he opens the bag of gear puts the cigarette in his mouth and sucks the gear into the fag I was amazed I was blown away like whoa what's happening here anyway he does that then he like evens it out by rolling it with his finger because you don't want it all on one side then he put the match underneath it and slowly went up and down up and down and melted the gear and I could see it because it was little black beetle marks boom 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 anyway so now I'm in Pakistan the hub of heroin I thought let me check this heroin out let me see what it's saying I remember smoking that Oh my god, I smoked one. I thought, what is this shit? It's not even working. Smoked the number one because it's cheap as chips. Smoked the number one. Smoked. I thought, what is this rubbish? And then it hit me. Bang. And when I stood up, whoo, that was the end of me, mate. I started vomiting everywhere. And I sat in that semi built house, I think, for about six hours. I'm not even joking. Didn't move. Didn't move. I just felt like I was wrapped in cotton wool. Oh, God. Uh, oof, stop that. Anyway, yeah, all that was done. And then I'm thinking to myself, I need to go back to my place. And I don't know how the buses and all that work. I don't know all this. So luckily, that guy from England that was with me, the Luton guy, he was doing all this, right? Stopping the car, jumping on the back. And out there, if you're only going a short distance, you just jump on the back of the van and hold on. I can't do all them things. I'm not a stunt man. I can't do all them things. The, 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 the van's tearing around the village. Uh, and it, don't forget, it's on cliff edges. And people are just holding on. People are sitting on top of it as well. And I shit you not. People are sitting on top of it. And I'm uh, I'm scared. I'm not going to do that. So I'm waiting for another car, waiting for another car. And do you know how I got back? I paid 100 rupees. There you go again. A pound. And I got on a tractor fucking tractor sat on the tractor three people can sit two on the front bit and one can hold on the back bit and uh, got a lift back like that crazy and you know what that was my taxi so every time I wanted gear 
from my village to the guy's village, I would pay a pound there and back. So a nugget to them for the journey. And then I'd go and get a... Do you know what I was smoking out there? I was going in the morning and I was getting 34, three, four bags. Because I remember I'd pay for 30 and he'd give me four free. And then in the evening I'd go and get 34 again. Pay for 30 and he'd give me four free. People out there buy one, maybe two, maybe three. And when I was buying in abundance like that, they thought, what is he doing with all of it? And you know what? Even after smoking all that gear in a day, 60, 70 odd wraps, I would wake up the next morning and I'd be ill. Don't ask how, that's what would happen to me. So it became like a routine, getting up, going there, getting up, going there. And you know what? My family found out about this. And uh, going to that house, I didn't realise I had cousins that lived next door to this house. Because I remember whenever I'd go in, there'd be a group of boys sitting on the corner there looking. Some would nod, some would put their hand up, wave. I'd just wave thinking they're being friendly. I'm sorry, I didn't realise they were my cousins. They've gone and grasped me up to my family, my future brother-in-law. And then they've sort of like sat me down and said, why are you going there? I haven't told them I'm on gear. Of course I'm not. I've got a habit again now. They're going, why are you going to that house? I said, no, just go and I've got friends. And what it is, is that house has got a very bad name. So they're like that. Listen, you need to stop going to that house. If you go to that house, this could happen, that could happen. Trying to scare me out of it. But I'm thinking to myself, listen, I don't, you know, I can't really tell them I've got a gear habit. What am I going to say? So I'm just agreeing with them. Yep, no problem. I won't do anything wrong. I apologize for what I'm doing and so on and so forth. Anyway, I knew why I was going out to Pakistan. Of course I did. Uh, when you go at that age, like 20 to 30, when boys go at that age, it's sort of like uh, known but not spoken about that you're going to get married. It's just one of those things. So uh, my mum and my sister and my brother have came to uh, come to Pakistan. And uh, I remember when they were arranging my wedding, I, uh, they said to me, pick a girl. So I'm picking a girl and my mum's going, oh, my dad's going, nope. I'm picking the other girl and my dad's going, nope. Honestly, I'm picking about four, five, six girls and my dad's going, no, 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 no. Then I get to the girl that I actually married in the end. My dad goes, yep, marry her. And do you know what it was? I was thinking to myself, look, I've never listened to my mum and dad, never. I was that rebel kid. There's always one in every family. And uh, I thought, you know what? Marriage is a big thing. She's going to come to England. She's going to end up living in our house. I'll listen to my mum and dad. Uh, and that's what I did. I ended up getting married. Uh, I had a really nice wedding. I really enjoyed the wedding. It was like a thing to me. They brought me uh, a huge gold chain and bracelet. Uh, they were firing fireworks all night firing guns all night uh, what they would do is in the the AK-47 they would put what they call tracer rounds tracer rounds is like for night fire they light up green then they go red light up green then they go red and uh, I believe in the army or where you know they put one in every four so you can see where you're going where you're shooting but uh, on, on wedding nights what you do is you fill the whole magazine up with them and you get two three people firing at the same time and it's like it's like a firework display it looks really nice that was my first time firing a gun that sort of gun and uh do you know what 
I remember when I fired it and I remember saying to myself this is a better buzz than drugs when you're firing a gun like that honestly the buzz you get I was scared at first but when I got used to it it was like wow uh, I mean I wish I could post clips of it but obviously I can't uh, guns are bad by the way guns are bad don't go near them uh, disclaimer anyway got married everything's cool uh, wife's got pregnant now she's pregnant uh, it's been a few months I've been there quite a while my mum and my brother and my sister have come back to England uh, they're get, trying to get her visa sorted out the first time it actually got declined I remember and then uh, the second time round got the visa everyone's happy everyone's cool ended up she ended up going first my mum came back over and went back with her first I stayed for a few months and ended up coming uh, it was bad from the start I'm going to be honest you know you've got to remember I'm still on drugs uh, that didn't help of course it didn't help but she had an agenda as well I'm not going to speak bad about her because she's a mother of my kids it, we just didn't get on you've got to remember this I'm from England I'm a British lad she's from a village in the arse end of nowhere uh, she's educated she can speak English read English write English but you got to remember the lifestyle is totally different what they want and what I want and how they live and how I live two different things we were worlds apart uh, I honestly don't think it would have ever worked regardless of my drug habit or not and it's easy to say straight away oh well you were on drugs that's why the that's why the wedding I mean that's why the marriage uh, collapsed you were on drugs you were on drugs but honestly it wasn't just that and I'm not trying to make any excuses I know that didn't help of course it didn't help man but uh, she had an agenda and anyway she ended up moving out uh, oh yeah I forgot to say when I came back to England I went and handed myself in and uh, I got bail believe it or not don't know how I did and they gave me I remember when I went back I got 8 weeks to 4 2005 this is our local jail then was Woodhill so I've gone to Woodhill I've served my little four weeks. I've come out and now we're separated. The house we had totally collapsed. She's gone to live with her sister and uh, the council have moved me into a flat in Hatfield. Uh, Hatfield, honestly, it's just heroin everywhere. I'm not trying to put Hatfield people down. Please don't take that disrespectfully. But back then in 205, 678, it was an epidemic it was we all know that no one uses foil no one smokes it in joints i did no one smokes it in joints people there inject it's 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 really bad and like i said please don't think i'm putting hatfield people down but uh yeah that's what happened uh my child was born we split up i remember going to see him in the hospital trying to put on a brave face like we're all good we're all good but we weren't we weren't I, I knew it I knew this I, you know when you've got that feeling inside that you know we don't get on there's no really oh see I don't want to bat, I don't want to put her down you know what I'll just leave it there I don't want to put her down I don't want to disrespect her she's the mother of my kids we just didn't get on and it hurt me because uh, I wanted the marriage to work but I was married to the drugs 
the drugs were, like I said before in my first uh, episode, my first podcast, I was married to the drugs. I wasn't married to my wife. Yeah, she might have been on paper my wife, but all my attention, my money, uh, everything was the drugs. And uh, yeah, uh, from there it just went from bad to worse to worse to worse. I ended up uh, injecting. I ended up getting on the needle in Hatfield. It was like the known, everyone knew that. It was the known thing. When you walked into a house, you would not ask for foil, you would ask for pins, injections. And uh, yeah, I ended up injecting. I ended up getting a really, really bad habit. It was so bad, it was unreal. And uh, that just became my life. And you know what? When you've got a habit like that, it totally, totally dominates your life. And uh, if people are listening to this, people who haven't had habits, I understand, you know, trying to get your head round what an addict goes through. Yeah, like I said, you can list everything. This happens, that happens, this happens, that happens. I understand all that. But the overall feelings that a person goes through when they're addicted, you can't, you can't explain that. Because you've got to remember it's not classed as an illness being on drugs an addiction it's not classed as an illness so it's very taboo when you go to the doctors or anything anything like that you mention I'm on drugs they even look like oh, oh okay they ask you your name you're all like yes my name's this where are you from I'm from here how old are you I'm this old addictions yes even you your voice changes when they ask you like yes you put your head down in embarrassment and uh, it is an illness it's like a, a diabetic needs insulin a cancer patient needs chemo until it's recognised like that it will always be classed as uh, self-inflicted well you could have stopped you could have stopped it's not as easy as that if it was as easy as that there wouldn't be all these organisations trying to help people on drugs and uh, yeah man honestly if I could I know hindsight in 2012 I know all that but uh, I, know, I know it's a bit of a cliche but I, I swear if I could uh, turn the clock back if I could change anything it would definitely be that being uh, an addict oh my god the things I used to go through uh, terrible 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 I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to add a little side story here when uh, when I was in Hatfield in the, in the flat I was living there alone uh, and it was a lonely existence I mean loads of people used to come through shoot drugs uh, but I was alone I, I hated it I fell out with my family uh, obviously I'm not with my wife I don't see my kid it was a really low point so the only friend I had was the drugs anyway what happened one day is two people came to see me no names given <clears throat> and they were like that right listen we need we need bits we're, we're, we're ill we're withdrawing we need to get something we've got no money uh, what are we going to do <clears throat> so uh, great idea one of the lads he goes uh, let's ring up this guy he comes out of those flats he sends a worker out and the worker some little white kid we'll just grab him and I mean they'll white themselves but we'll just grab him and just take the bits off him cool but when you do something like that 
it gets down to who's going to make the phone call. Whoever makes the phone call, the blame lands on them because it's like they set it up. Who who says that, you know who did it fall to me? Like an idiot. So anyway, I, I think I ordered. Uh, well, he came out with three twenty-pound bits, uh, two light, so two twenty rocks of white and a twenty rock of B. So we we're going to split it. So anyway, we grabbed him. We've uh, took the bits off him. He's screaming, "Ah, let me go, let me go, let me go!" We didn't hurt him. Uh, put him to the floor, took the bits off him, went back to my place, divvied it up, uh, injected, done what we'd done, all forgotten about. Now watch this. Later that night, I, what it is, I was on the ground floor and I had windows on both sides. I mean, I had the curtains drawn and uh, I had a door. It was a buzzer door, but it didn't work. So you could just come in and there was one flat upstairs. I remember hearing a noise so I've gone to my peephole and I've looked through the peephole and I could see two black guys there, masked up. I knew straight away, I knew it was because of what we'd done earlier. I knew that, but uh, I'm panicking now. I can hear voices outside the window. So they're with people out there covering that side. And I'm so, so scared. I'm really, I'm alone, don't forget. No one's there with me, I'm panicking now. This is, this is serious panic. I've never been in a situation like this. My heart is racing so badly. I'm so scared. I, I'm missing my own breath. When I'm breathing, it's like I'm <laughs> trying to catch my own breath. I know they've come to do dirt, as in putting work on me. What I've done is I've backed up and gone into the living room. First of all, I put my mountain bike by the front door uh, to give that, you know, a little bit of a block. Didn't do anything. I went into the living room and I pushed my sofa up against the door and I thought right I'll just block it and I'm quite heavy I'll block it they won't be able to get in it'll be done what happens bang the, the door comes off the front door they run in they barge the, the door where I got the sofa you know what at first I was holding it and I don't know what happened I just thought to myself you know what I'll let it go and literally beg for mercy because they're not going to give up one of them had his hand through and he was waving the knife about so they've come in and watch this they started punching me but what I thought were punches like side punches I thought oh, they didn't punch me that hard one punched me in the face but the rest are going on my ass, back of my legs my chest my arm uh, my wrist I was thinking what are they doing and uh, when I noticed the knife there's only a small like three inch knives I thought oh my god they're going to kill me I, you know people when you get into fights and things like that it's a fight you're going to get hurt you're going to get a bit of damage but you're not going to die but the way these lot were butchering me I swear I, I people, don't, people think oh I'm going to die but when you actually think you're going to die you, you, honestly it's it's like you're in a different world you can't even explain to someone that feeling uh, so yeah they done that then he picked up the, I remember him picking up the iron because I had an iron there and he was going to hit me with it but the other guy goes allow it let's go let's leave they've left now I'm there I'm thinking I've put my hand down and everything's wet when I'm walking I've gone to the bathroom to check my face and see what the damage 
when I'm walking, my feet are filling up with blood. It's going, it's squishing. And I've looked and it's blood. I've gone in the toilet, I pull my trousers down and there's blood everywhere. I remember I had beige combat bottoms on and the top on and it was just blood everywhere. Now what's happened is, now I'm really panicking. Uh, now that I've seen the damage and blood, I've never seen blood like that and it's my own blood. Wow, I am so scared. But luckily I thought like this, I thought if I pass out in the flat, no one's going to find me, I'm going to bleed to death. Go out into the street, because I was near the town bit, go out into the street and try and get some help. So I've done that. I'm in the road, I'm covered in blood, you can see patches of blood, my shoes are squishing and no one's stopping their car. I'm in the middle of the road going like that. And I remember getting really short of breath and panicking and I'm getting really, really cold, like ice cold. And I'm thinking to myself, well, trying to think like, I'm going, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. That's all I kept saying. Oh God, oh God, it's over. So I get my mobile phone, I dial 999 myself. And on that road at the bottom, I think it's called Lemsford Road or Lemsford Lane, there's a fire ambulance and you know fire and ambulance place just there so they got me literally as soon as I put the phone down within less than a minute honestly they turned up they grabbed me they put me in the back they got these scissors that are angled funny angled I don't know I don't know what they're made of but they're so sharp he put it at the bottom of my comment and he just went up like that and it just sliced through and he kept turning me over and looking at my ass looking at my leg looking at my body he's trying to check all the vital bits where the blood is uh, where the uh, wounds are sorry and he's going have you been stabbed anywhere else have you been stabbed anywhere else and he's asking me did you see the knife did you see the knife I remember it was a strange question I was thinking what What?" he's going did you see the knife I don't know if they were asking did you see the knife to see if I, they can work out how deep these scars are I mean how deep these wounds are I don't know and I said to him, yeah, it was a small knife. It was about the size of my index finger, but there was two of them. Uh, one was serrated edge, and uh, the other one I can't remember seeing, but I remember it seeing it was small, but I didn't see the exact blade, like, serrated or not. In and out, in and out of me. They take me to QE2 Hospital, and uh, they put me on the stretcher thing, and they're wheeling me in. And I remember my whole body was ice cold, and obviously later I found, you know, it's because I lost so much blood. And I remember my left leg was slightly out because they put these blankets on me for the heat because I was, I kept saying to them, I'm cold, I'm freezing, I'm cold, I'm cold. So they put all these blankets on me, but I remember my left leg being out of the blanket and I remember my left leg kept kicking, like kicking, and I couldn't help it, I couldn't stop it. It was going kick, 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 kick. And I was thinking, well, you know, I, I, I couldn't stop that. Uh, my friend who works in the hospital, thank you, no names given, he see me and he goes well, what's going on what's going on and I, I, I couldn't reply to him I remember saying alright to him believe it or not and they wheeled me in and now I'm on like an operating room they pulled the curtain look at this God God is so beautiful and I remember my mate his dad was in hospital few cubicles down he's coming to visit his dad look at this and he's seen me he's pulled the curtain and he's gone click well, what's happening and I sort of like replied and I've gone ring my brother ring my brother he goes yeah no problem anyway back to the operating bit I'm on the slab and the guy's going to me do you mind if they film 
I'm saying film what? They're students, they're trying to learn. Do you mind if they film you while we stitch you up? What am I supposed to say to that? No, yes, what am I, of course I'm going to say yeah. Uh, so anyway, they start stitching me up. And I remember he didn't numb me enough. I clearly remember that. When they were stitching the wounds, one of the wounds in my leg was so deep, they had to go into the wound, stitch the muscle inside with dissolvable stitches, and then stitch the wound on the outside. That was so painful. I, 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 don't think, I can't even explain the pain there. So anyway, they're stitching me up, and then I need the toilet badly. They're stitching me up, don't forget. Badly, I need the toilet. And you know what? By this time, obviously it's been... 20 minutes half an hour whatever it is my brother's turned up thank god for that uh i thought i was gonna die man i i uh, i keep repeating this but uh that fear there i i you can't even explain honestly you can't even explain to someone how scary that feeling is when you think my life is gonna end i kept seeing my mum's face i kept seeing my family's face I kept thinking of, the, of all the wrong I've done. Uh, that's all that kept going through my mind. So anyway, yeah. So I said I need the toilet. He's giving me this bottle thing. I'm going to him, look, I can't really go for a piss. I'm a bit shy. You've got all these students around me filming. I need to get up and go to the toilet. He goes, I haven't finished stitching you up. I said, look, I need to go. So he's gone, go and then go. I've gone to the toilet. My brother, I remember, I clearly remember my brother was behind me. I'm having a piss. I've had a piss. I flushed the toilet. I've turned to wash my hands and I've slipped. Do you know what would happen? One of the wounds he hadn't finished, look at this, had leaked. While I was pissing, it had leaked that badly. There was like a puddle. It was thick, thick blood. And I remember I slipped on it and I thought to myself, I only had a piss for like 30 seconds and all that blood came out. Now I'm double panicking. Gone back to the room, do what you've got to do, finish me off. They stitched me up and thank you to the QE2 for saving my life because, uh, yeah, super scared. I was in hospital for a while. Uh, I think it was five days, I think it was, five, six days. And you know what? A traumatic event like that should be enough for you to say, whoa, I'm leaving that life alone for the sake of three £20 bits, what you split with two other people. So really it was a £20 bit look what happened to you that should be enough for you to say whoa sort it out do you know what didn't bother me uh came out still carried on still carried on and do you know what only my brother came to visit me and one other pal no one else came my mum didn't come my dad didn't come my sister i think was my sister around yeah my sister didn't come no one come it was just me my brother came and my pal came uh, yeah so anyway little side story there for you I'm sorry I ranted on a bit on this one but uh, this story was very emotional for me because a lot of things happened look my marriage broken up my kids my wife on top of that the stabbing so if I ranted on a bit or there's a few little gaps in there please forgive me but thank you very much for listening thank you for your support it means a lot to me uh, me doing this podcast is like therapy for me it really is the laptop's my counsellor <laughs> that's how I that's how I feel but yeah thank you very much keep on following me following me choices to consequences sorry I just want to add something uh, 
it's my I keep doing this it's my mistake I uh, I wrap up the podcast and then I remember oh I didn't do that or oh I didn't mention that it's something you know just bear with me people just bear with me come on I'm new to this very new to this so just have a bit of patience anyway big thank you to the C2 team uh, the George big thank you to George for helping me with my podcast we go through it once a week and he he really helps me out he's more in tune with that world than I am uh, big shout to Rianne even though she's away enjoying herself in Australia and uh, Gemma thank you very much and uh, big shout to Dave even though Dave was off this week to tell you the truth I kind of struggled this week you know not having my uh, regular officer to check in with George does a great job don't get me wrong but Dave being my personal officer I've, I've, I've known him for maybe 15-20 years and I kind of struggled this week I mean you, believe it or not the slightest changes in our routine you, you feel it uh, saying it out loud you may not think it but yeah definitely took effect on me because on top of that it was Lizzie who was my probation officer she was uh, away as well everyone's away she was away as well so uh, you know going in and having an interview with someone you haven't met before uh, all that history all that rapport they know everything about you uh, yeah you've got to either explain it again or the interview's very formal you know yeah so I, I, I kind of struggled uh, yeah I didn't stray off the path don't get me wrong but yeah man it, it uh, definitely took effect definitely took effect on me uh, like I said slightest thing I wouldn't think it but yeah it's nice to have it's nice to have that but fair dues he did uh, even though he wasn't working he did check up on me so I salute you Mr Riggs and thank you very much yeah, stay tuned and God bless. Thank you.